0: Welcome to The Six Degree Podcast, the podcast where we grill our guests about the things that make them tick and find out how human connection plays a role in their life. I'm your host, Emily Merrill. Hello, and welcome back to The Sixth Degree with Emily Merrill, the podcast where we grill our guests about the things that make them tick and find out how human connection plays a role in their life. I'm your host Emily, and today I'm so excited to have my friend Bailey Hancock, the founder of the Collaboration Coalition, as our guest, and the founder of everything, basically, as our guest. <laughs> I'm like, what what have you not founded, basically? It's been a long five years. <laughs> I, I bet you I could have listed about like six
1: different names. Not all current, but definitely lots of lots of things founded and unfounded over the last. How many domains do you own, Bailey? It's a great question. I was less of a domain buyer and more of a Facebook page acquirer and an Instagram handle acquirer. That was always like step one in pursuing something was like grab the Instagram handle, grab the Facebook page, and then I would test the waters and then I would get the URL. But now it's more of the URL first because that's obviously far more important. So yeah, I think currently I pay for one, two, three, four URLs. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. And most of them redirect to my main one. Okay. That's perfect. Uh, Yeah. I recently bought
0: a URL, which is this is kind of inappropriate to say on a podcast, but I'll say it anyways. I bought Sex Degrees Society. That's brilliant for mistypes mis- or typos. And I thought, you know, maybe one day we're going to evolve into like a dating website or a matchmaking where making your connections that much more intimate or like the original friends with benefits, something like that. So down the line, guys, you can always graduate. You can graduate Six Degrees
1: Society and go to Six Degrees Society. it's amazing. Well, it's funny too, because like with URLs and the redirects, that's kind of been a recent thing that I've come to as a great strategy for my clients too, with like their lead magnets, instead of going through the whole thing of like, Go to baileyhancock.com backslash free guide, blah, 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 because people spell Bailey with an E so they don't go to the right place. Speaking of which I should buy Bailey with an E Hancock.com. So now I'll try and think of like a really easy, short URL that I can just redirect to the landing page. I want them to get to anyway. So, you know, as we were talking before, I have a, a free email template and it's podcastpitch.me, which is super easy. And that just immediately sends them to my main webpage anyway. So I do that for all of, my like programs now my lead magnets, my membership everything has a very clear super easy URL that just sends them to bailey so
0: smart I, I think the next one needs to be like this is the uh, the best freebie.com or like
1: <laughs> I'm sure that is taken but what's what's amazing though is like the dots are changing all the time there's so many I don't know what that's actually called com is gone like forget it you can't buy a com for anything but not me. Anyways, backing up a little bit, actually, because we can go on tangents. We're we're, we're
0: annoyingly similar (laughs) as she sips her coffee. She's energizing her batteries. So Bailey, just a little bit of background and origin story on Bailey and I meeting. We essentially were circling each other for probably two and a half years where we kind of knew who each
1: other were, but we're like, I don't know, intimidated or. It just didn't happen naturally. You know, we were aware of each other.
0: We were aware of each other, but we were in different cities. So we were living kind of comparable and parallel lives, but in different cities. And oftentimes I would do partnerships with individuals and they're like, Oh my God, you remind me so much of my friend Bailey Hancock. And I'm like, who is this Bailey Hancock twin of mine that's out there, this doppelganger? And finally someone took charge and introduced us. And we had our first coffee in Culver City. And from that moment on, it's I'm probably the only person that just calls you out of the blue. Now that facetimes you whenever you post something that seems a little remotely sad. I'm like, I got to call her. We got to have a pep talk.
1: <laughs> you are, you're like on guard. You're like, hold on. Are you feeling okay? What's up? You sound like you're down in the dumps. Like, do I need to pull you out of this? And you're one of the only people that I will answer an unscheduled call or FaceTime for truly. Cause I hate surprise attack phone calls or FaceTime. I hate planned phone calls and FaceTime. So but I just, I know I can also be like, what, what, like, what is, what do you want from me right now? And you're like walking into the grocery store or something, or you're in the middle of something. You're like, I just want to chat real quick. I'm like, fine, fine, Emily, only for you.
0: <laughs> well, it's usually always about it's I'm like, well, I just want to check in with you,
1: make sure it's all okay, which I love. Which is truly a wonderful thing to have a person in your life who does that because you know, like if you are doing a cry for help, whether it's overt or accidental, somebody's paying attention and somebody will throw you a life vest if you need it.
0: One out of your like multi-thousand followers, will will we'll call you. So we've mentioned the fact that you probably own a ton of domains. You started your business now in 2016, which is crazy. That's the I started Six Degrees Society. But who are you and what do you do? Like, you know how to get your freebie, your email pitch freebie. But who are you?
1: I'm just a girl. No, um, <laughs> who am I? It's a great question. I'm a lot of things. I contain multitudes um, like all of us, right? I mean, in this moment, I am you know, currently actively focusing on figuring out how to make my business run without so much constant engagement from me. Like I think so many of us get to with our businesses, we're like, how do I remove myself a little bit from the equation because it's not scalable, it's not sustainable. And I'm a few months away from having my second kid. And I currently have a 20 month old who is very busy and he's, you know, he's a busy guy and I have to keep up with him. And so I'm trying, I think I'm just thinking bigger picture than I I usually do. I love being in the thick of my business. I love being the thing that I sell, right? Like I work primarily one-on-one with clients and then I do have my membership community now, which is less of me, but still involves a lot of me. And I'm just at the point where I'm like, this is cool. And I still, you know, my business is Bailey Hancock HQ. So there's no getting around it. Like I am the business. But if I ever want to scale this thing, if I ever want to get to a place where I don't have to be in the business constantly, I got to figure out what that looks like. So that's where my head is at. Me as a person, I'm a, you know, I nickname myself a professional friend maker because like you, I can make a friend anywhere. You know, back before we had to wear masks and socially distance, I could easily pick up a friend in, you know, the post office line or really anywhere. And I just, I love connecting people. I think my job itself is about teaching people how to collaborate and do it well, but so much of what goes into collaborating well is having connections to collaborate with. And in the last really like very recent history, a couple months, I've started to realize that connection is what I'm actually really teaching people and what I'm really passionate about And that's where my origin story comes from is like being the kid that had a ton of different groups of friends and was involved in eight different extracurricular clubs in high school and would, you know, cross pollinate between all these groups and sort of introduce people to people they would have no business knowing otherwise. And like, that's what makes me great at collaboration because I can find people, partners in every scope, you know, every industry, every area. So I'm just a girl that likes to make friends and connect people and has a wild little toddler and a soon-to-be daughter and a really cool husband who puts up with all my bullshit. That's that's who I am today. It's not a
0: bad and not a bad life that you're living. But I love that you talked about who you were as little Bailey and the fact that you were or medium-sized Bailey.
1: Same size, younger. <laughs> I never got over the five foot mark. <laughs> You say you're only five feet? I know, I know. Wow. In this virtual world, it's very funny because people think that I'm significantly taller than I actually am. I've met you in person
0: and I I don't think of you as a five foot person. I think of you as just like seven feet, takes up a room. Your personality is just so much bigger than that. But it's interesting that you said that you were cross pollinating people in high school and I'm sure you were doing it before high school. You're probably doing it on the playground. You're pulling pigtails and pulling someone else's pigtails and meeting in the middle. So did you know as a kid that, or as a young adult, that you were going to be a professional connector and Do you think, like college age Bailey, if we were to time travel back, do you think as you were cheering the Gators and you sat down next to her at a game and said, Hey, young Bailey, you're going to be a future connector. Your job is going to be connecting people and
1: helping them with collaboration and partnerships. What would she say? Well, it's interesting because in college specifically, I started out as a journalism major and I thought I was going to work at a magazine. And, you know, I think most. Most of us who graduated high school and college in like the 2003 to 2007 range, we must have seen some movie that like had the main character. Maybe it was Ugly Betty, the show. Maybe it was, who knows? But like so many of us wanted to go into publishing. We wanted to like work at a magazine. So that was my dream. I I went to school originally to be a journalist and got like one semester into my coursework and was like, wait, this sucks. I hate this. Well, they make it look so sexy and like 13 going on um uh, 10 things they hate about you.
0: Like that, that is not the truth.
1: You're right. There were so many movies that like the woman worked in a magazine and it just looked so glamorous. That would be like working at Google <laughs> it would be like the glam job. Exactly. So like I had it in my head that that's what it was going to be. But in reality, you know, one of the first classes I had to take was reporting and it was a nightmare. It was The most anxiety I had ever felt at that point, and it felt so thankless, and it felt like nobody likes reporters, so nobody wanted to talk to me, which is like the opposite of what I, you know, enjoy in life. So I was having this meltdown on the rights union, North lawn, laying on the grass, being like, what the hell am I going to do with my life? And I had been working on this huge event because I was in student government and I put on the off-campus housing extravaganza once a semester, which is where I would literally have like 50 different apartment complexes come to this expo that I coordinated. I would have the radio station there. I had like, you know, the bounce house obstacle courses. I had different food vendors. Like I was coordinating. coordinating all of these different vendors and participants, people presenting their apartments. And I loved it. And I was fantastic at it. And so I'm laying there having a meltdown on the North North lawn. And somebody said, well, you know, like, why don't you do event planning? And I was like, what do you mean do event planning? That's not a thing. And they're like, I think there's actually a program for it here. And I talked to a counselor and sure enough, they were like, yeah, I mean, it's not a degree itself, but you can get certified in it under recreation parks and tourism. And I was like, well, what the hell? So switched into that. And immediately college was like a joke at that point because it felt so natural to me. So had this Bailey sat down with, you know, 20 year old Bailey and been like, you're going to do this. I would have been like, A, that's not a job. Don't be crazy. I just discovered that this thing was a job. Like this is so much cooler than what I thought was out there. But it also would have made total sense because that's inherent in event planning too is working with a ton of different people partnerships. I never called it partnerships, but that's what I was doing. And it's like cross-pollinating between all of those different people who all have different needs, but who ultimately are sharing in this big picture goal of running a successful event. And so I wouldn't have been shocked, but I would have been very excited to hear that that's something I could actually make money from. Because even until a few years ago, I was like, how can I actually make this a job? I know I do it well. And to be fair, I'm still figuring it out. I think it's just under a different umbrella than just straight. I'm not getting paid to straight up connect people, but I am getting paid to teach people the tools to do it for themselves. And then I'm there to be a supportive hype woman and connector once we're done working together.
0: Which I think it's smart rather than doing the connections for people. People do need to learn how to fish and they need to learn how to make, especially as you said that at one day, like you don't want to necessarily be the face of your brand. So if people were so reliant on a Bailey, then they're not going to be able to you know, when you go on maternity leave, like they're, they're going to be SOL. They're going to need some extra help. But I love the fact that you went from journalism to, um, event planning, which I think is very much makes sense into like what you are doing now, because you're an excellent writer. You're an incredible communicator. You have got great stage presence so much. In fact, that you've spoken at 138 speaking gigs in the past five years. First off, who has that much time on their on their hands to speak at one hundred and thirty eight? That's a lot of hours. And second, the places that you've spoken are just extraordinary—from creating, cultivate to like super executive corporate retreats. And typically, when you speak at these conferences, you speak about collaboration, networking, and growing your biz through partnerships. So, you know, speaking of collaboration, it seems to be like your biggest jam out of all of the things. What are the mistakes you see that people are making when they're trying to do a, a collaboration or a partnership and how can they approach it from a different
1: angle? I think the key with everything that you do, regardless of whether it's a partnership or anything else is understanding your intentions behind it before you do it. And, you know, this ties in nicely to the speaking gig conversation, because I have always loved performing. I mean, as a child, I thought I was going to be on Broadway and, you know, I think most of why I was super involved in different communities and groups and whatever was like, I just, I love to have the stage in some capacity, love a good microphone. Boy, do I miss holding a microphone in person. I'm sure you feel me there. Um, Zoom just doesn't quite scratch that same itch, but I've always loved performing and I've always loved teaching. And so when I started my business and actually the year leading up to going out on my own, I started dipping a toe in being on panels and teaching some workshops and kind of testing out my material, if you will, around partnerships and seeing if people cared, seeing if I liked talking about it, seeing if I enjoyed doing it at all. And the answer was, I totally did. So when I started my business, that became my primary marketing strategy was, speaking or teaching or being on podcasts or guest posting. Um, I don't do that as much, but when I do, I really enjoy it. So I think the problem going into that was I was just doing it because I enjoyed it, which is not a problem, but it's also not going to show a good ROI. And so I started speaking and teaching and all of that with no clear intention of what I was hoping to get out of it. It was just because I felt like it. So of those 138 speaking gigs, probably 60% of them maybe 50. I'll be generous with myself. 50% had no call to action. There was no clear like objective. It was just me sharing my story, sharing my expertise and then being like, "Bye." And that was it. Follow me on social or go to my website that you're probably going to misspell and not get to. So, it really didn't have a good purpose behind it. And that is what I see happen a ton with people in collaboration is they do it because it sounds fun, because it sounds sexy, because it seems like something everybody doing, but they don't go into it with a clear intention and strategy and goal. And so what happens is they do the thing and then the thing's over and they have either nothing to show for it, or they don't have an ROI to show for it because they didn't establish something to measure in the first place. And so it just becomes this thing that they can say they did, but really can't trace any outcome to and over time what happens is it starts to feel like a waste of time it starts to feel like well why am i saying yes to this like it's not even doing anything for me but it's not the collaboration's fault it's your fault for not setting that intention in the first place so Literally the biggest thing I have to teach all my clients is set an intention before you start it. Know your why for doing this and make sure that throughout the process, you're keeping that front and center so you don't get swept up in the moment and then forget to set measurable goals that you can then trace back at the end to say like, this went the way I hoped it did, or it didn't go the way I hoped it did. It was going to, but here's what I can do differently next time. I think that's
0: incredibly sound advice and I, I have to say being on the receiving end of presentations, I see a lot of people leaving money on the table where they could have promoted themselves or they could have had a call to action or they could have been like, download my free guide right now, my freebie or whatever. And here's the URL and had like an action while people are hot and while people are engaged and while people want what you're selling. And it can be a smaller thing. Like for me, when I'm speaking at a place where I'm not going to sell my mastermind or whatnot, I will talk about, I'll have like a free code, but that code is specific to the place for people to attend an event. So then you can measure, Oh, wow. Two people have redeemed that code or like a hundred people redeemed that code. That, this is a community I need to play with more and I need to hang out with more. Um, what are your thoughts on paid speaking and selling at paid speaking versus unpaid speaking and like measuring these results for both of them?
1: I would say of the 138 speaking gigs, probably five or less were paid. And that's because I use it as a marketing strategy. And so for me, I see paid speaking and what I call expertise for exposure um, opportunities as two different paths entirely. And I separate them out very clearly because I think the goals are different. The asks are different. The gives are different. And that's another thing I harp on a lot is your asks and gives knowing fully, like, what is it that you want and what is it that you can offer and being clear about that? Because that helps you make sure that you're getting an even value exchange from the agreement. So I just feel like, you know, people need to be very clear about why they're doing the thing again, intentionality. And if your goal is to get paid, then you're going to have different intentions going into that, right? Like you're probably not going to be selling from the stage. You're probably not going to be pushing a lead magnet because your ask was money in this situation your give was your knowledge if you're doing it as an expertise for exposure opportunity like I do your ask is measurable promotion your give is still your expertise and your time so I think it's just really important to be clear with yourself on what you're hoping to get from it I would love at some point for paid speaking gigs to be my primary revenue stream I would I think that would be that's like me discovering event plannings a job it'd be like, Wait, what? You're going to pay me good money to just come and speak and do the thing I what to get out of town. But I'm also at a place right now where, you know, the idea of traveling to a lot of speaking gigs to make that like a viable revenue stream for me is not in the cards right now. You know, maybe in five years when like my kids are going off to elementary school and things like that. So for now, I lean towards the marketing side and just make sure that every single opportunity I have, I am maximizing and I am getting that call to action in. And like you said, while the people are like fired up and like engaged and excited about me because they just discovered me for the first time, giving them a next step and not just leaving them hanging. Cause that's what I see happen all the time. And it's such a waste.
0: I completely agree. And email lists too. I just want to piggyback like if you're not getting paid, ask for the email list.
1: Yes. Thank you for saying that. And that is something that people have to get comfortable doing myself included. I still like have to build myself up to be like, hi, yes, I'd love this opportunity. Just out of curiosity, is it possible to get the list of attendees after the, after the conference is over and then shutting up and letting them say yes or no. And if they say, no, we don't do that. I always say, okay, would you be willing to send out a communication on my behalf? I just want to make sure that like anybody that missed it live has the opportunity to see it. Anybody that didn't catch the URL for the freebie gets it. I will write the copy for you, but are you willing to do that? that nobody's ever said no to that so and most of the time people say yes to the list it's it is important to ask though before so that they have an opportunity to make sure that it's communicated on the rsvp page that that email is going to be shared with you know sponsors partners whoever because otherwise then that's the legality is all over the place but yeah always
0: ask or you hide it you put it into your terms and conditions and your privacy policy on your website there you go
1: (laughs) whatever works but like as long as you're covering your own ass then yes, we're good to go.
0: Yeah, definitely. But I think that's a great currency, both as someone who wants to partner with someone and to ask someone to to speak and they can't pay them or they can't afford to pay them, if you're willing to let them promote whatever they're selling. And then also if you're com- comfortable giving them the list, I think that that is huge currency. Like the price acquisition is people spend a lot of money getting people. So in addition to you, you do so much incredible stuff. You're an extraordinary speaker, 138 speaking gigs, which is still mind boggling to me. You you contributed to a ton of different publications, including again, Create and Cultivate being one that I've seen your name pop up a ton, but you have this amazing membership called the Collaboration Coalition focused on collaboration. So what was the goal behind creating this membership? And Have you had any learnings in the creation of it for people who are now thinking about starting their own membership?
1: Yeah, it's been an interesting ride because having a membership has been something I've thought about doing for about the last year and a half, two years. And like with many ideas, I think that most entrepreneurs have, it's one of those things that's like, okay, it's on the list. It doesn't feel ready yet. Or like, I don't fully know what it wants to be yet. Or I don't have time for this yet. Or I'm just not excited as I need to be to create this thing yet. And at the end of last year, really like September ish of last year, I was like, okay, this feels like it wants to be ready now. And what init- initially began as this idea of having a free community and then an internal paid community that would have a lot more access to me, very mastermindy feeling. That's how it began. Over the last six months, it has evolved significantly because speaking of creating cultivate, I spoke at their small business summit in October and that's when I launched the collaboration coalition. I like I pre-recorded my session for them a couple weeks ahead of time and I was like, okay, if you're going to talk about it, you actually have to do it. So it was a great motivator for me to get the membership ready to press go the day that my session would go live and I ended up with like 300 people in the community within the first 3 weeks. Granted this was for the paid version. So I was like, "Oh my god, people are loving this. This is great. The intention of the community was primarily to give people a place to connect with other humans. So much like Six Degrees Society, it was like, how can you bring together like-minded people that you can meet in a way that's going to feel not slimy or not like rushed, but really organic and, you know, strategic and long-term, right? Like sustainable. So that was the goal with the membership community at large. And when I launched the paid version, like a month later, that was the free version that they were in? That was the free version, yeah. Yeah. I was like, that's amazing. (laughs) Oh, that would have been superb if 300 people joined the paid version. Sure. Sure. Not so much. Um, you know, still a great, you know, case study of like, Oh, people are hungry for connection. But when I launched the paid version uh, a month later, the timing just couldn't have been worse. I found out I was pregnant like a day or two before, no, that's not true. Like a week before I launched the paid version, it was right after the election when everything was in flux, you know, we didn't have a clear winner. It was just chaotic. Like the vibe of the world was chaotic in November and December. And I was feeling like trash because I was like newly pregnant, not feeling good, totally nauseous. And then having to like come off the high of launching the initial version and then having to communicate how this other version inside of the one was different and like why it was paid and why it was worth, like it was too convoluted and confusing for people and frankly me. So it totally flopped. I think I had like two people sign up for the paid version and everybody else was like, I love this, but like either I can't afford it or I don't, like I had people straight up tell me like, I love the free version. I don't see the value in paying for, you know, these extra bonuses that you're offering, but I think you're great. So lots of positive reinforcement, but like nobody wanted to pay the the higher priced version. So it was a shit show because I was like full blown emotional over everything else. It was the end of 2020, which Jesus was anybody in a good headspace at the end of last year? So it was a lot. And I took it really personally. I took it really hard and really personally. I'm sure this is when you were messaging me a lot and like FaceTiming me where I was like, "What? Am, what is any of this for? Everybody only wants the free version of me. Da, 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 da. Like it was very woe is me. It was very dramatic. But such a good lesson
0: right there. I mean, I think this is such a teachable moment what you just went through. You, you launched with the, you gave away your milk for free kind of, thing with the free version. And then you wanted people to then pay for, but the upgrade was super expensive compared to the free version.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, I think it was like 99 bucks a month or something. And my thought process with that price point was, basically they're going to get the same level of access to me as my clients do, you know, for like $2,500 or whatever it is. And so to me, I was like, this is a steal. Like, what are you guys doing? And I had a free course that was part of it, but it was just so difficult to communicate that. And you're right. They didn't know what my one-on-one services cost. So they had no price comparison ability. It just to them was free or a hundred bucks a month. And so Over the holidays, you know, I totally had like meltdown after meltdown being like, what am I even doing this for? Like, this doesn't actually feel good at all. Like I started to resent the community a lot and then I didn't want to be in there. I got like a stomach ache when I would log in and I just didn't want to be there. And so sometime in January, I decided, you know what? I don't want to have a free and a paid version of anything. I would like to just have a paid version. So I knocked it down to 25 bucks a month instead of a hundred. And the goal is still the same as it was with the free version except now everybody that's in there are like actively wanting to communicate and collaborate with each other and support each other. And on February 1st, when it switched over to fully paid, I literally had to manually remove like 330 people from the community, which I thought was gonna be a lot more dramatic than it was. It was actually very cleansing and like healthy feeling. Yeah, it felt very cathartic and like, bye, you don't wanna be here, that's okay. (laughs) You know, blessings (laughs) and good luck with your life. And then everybody that's left, including you, are just like, everybody there, it's such a different vibe than it was before. There's, I think, 32 members right now. And everybody is so supportive to each other. They're so willing to help and connect each other. Like, A lot of people have podcasts in the community and most have had many, many guests of the coalition on their show already. So it's like the quality of humans is amazing. They're super engaged. And like, I feel valued and I feel seen and recognized for what I'm contributing because they're then in turn recognizing me back with even a small monetary contribution, it's just this energetic exchange feels so much healthier and happier. So yeah, I mean, but I couldn't have gotten to this place without going through the way that it went down. So I don't even have like, a, I wish I would have done it differently story for this. It's like, I wish I didn't have to feel those feelings, but those feelings and that experience is what got me to this healthier, more sustainable place with this community. And now I, now I love it. Well, and
0: I'm glad that you had that experience because you were stronger than most people and most people would have probably thrown in the towel of their whole business and been more dramatic about it. You handled it like a pro. And I do think there's an underlying learning for people who want to start communities here. It Add like a trial week. You can give away a portion that is free, but don't give away all of the information for free. Give away you know, a free ticket or a free week or a free month but put those boundaries in place up front before then saying, switching to a paywall, you're going to confuse the individual. So I think it's great that you went through it. So then we can teach people I've done. I've like rejiggered my membership so many times before. I'm a huge fan of recurring revenue, like membership versus packages. I think the way people show up with membership is so much stronger than, than with packages, but I think you all have to check out her community. Again, it's like a warm hug every single time you walk in there. No, they're everyone's looking to, to help, or they're really excited to help
1: one another. They're genuinely excited. For yeah, it's genuine. Like it's not thirsty. <laughs> like it's a very, I mean, it's what you and I talk about all the time with like make deposits before you withdraw or give before you take and all of that. It, it, it feels very, Yeah, it feels cozy and like really nice to be there. I
0: love it. So But you have this amazing membership called the Collaboration Coalition. What's next for you? And where can people find more of you and get more Bailey Hancock in their life?
1: Well, I'm on all the platforms at Bailey Hancock, um, but- my primary way that I work one-on-one with clients is that expertise for exposure program that I mentioned and it's really because over the last couple of years that's what everybody seems to be hungry for like Everybody seems to want to be on podcasts. Everybody wants to learn how to speak at conferences or events, which is fantastic because I think that says, and when I say everybody, my community is primarily women entrepreneurs. So I have loved watching like the rise in confidence of the women around me who are like, maybe my story is worth sharing. And maybe I do know something about something that, you know, could benefit somebody else to know. And so that makes me overwhelmed with happiness. And I want them all to succeed. I don't want them to waste opportunities and start to get better about things not showing an ROI for their business because they're just saying yes and not asking for anything in return. They're not making clear calls to action, all of that. It's so avoidable. So with my expertise for exposure program, it's, currently evolving from a three month thing to like a one to two day thing. And the reason is I love working with women that are like, look, I know I want to do this. I wanted to do this a year ago and I'm finally just now doing it. Let's make it happen. I don't need to spread this out across many months. I want to leave, you know, in a couple of days feeling like I am ready to share my story, share my expertise, tie it to a clear call to action and have the greatest impact for both the people listening to me and my business that I possibly can. And that's like the dream. So I'm excited about this like truncated version of it because to me, it, it will attract the get shit done kind of women that I love to work with who are like, tell me what to do and I will do it. Give me the template. I will fill it out. Like give me the activity. I will make it happen. Let's do this. So that's Expertise for Exposure. um, And you can find more about that at expertiseforexposure.com. So there's Expertise for Exposure. You can find out about the membership community at collaborationcoalition.com. And I mentioned at the beginning of this, I have a free template that is an email outreach template that you can send to podcast hosts if you want to be on their show. It's at podcastpitch.me. And all of these things will get you to my website kind of easier than telling you to go to baileyhancock.com because again, Bailey's without an E and then it's like, don't put a D in Hancock, you pervert. Like there's just a lot of, <laughs> there's just a lot of barriers to get to my website. So the custom URL thing is a trick that I highly recommend for everybody, um, because it's just so much easier. So those are all the things, but if you want to know what's going on in my brain and my heart at any given point in time, Instagram's a great place <laughs> to do that because it's basically my live journal. Yeah those are
0: all the things. Well, so Bailey, we love wrapping up our interviews with some six fast questions to really get to know you. And I didn't prep you on this beforehand, so they'll feel really surprising, which is great. So you ready. Yes. Okay. First one is tell
1: us an unknown fun fact about you. I know a significant amount about oysters. (laughs) Ooh, like Virginica versus Gygus versus Sicamea, you know, subtitle versus intertitle, you know, what varieties have the sweetness profile and plumpness versus brininess and you know thin. So if you ever want to talk oysters, I feel like I've been pregnant for the last two years, so I have sadly missed out on a lot of oyster eating. But when I can eat them again, and when the stupid pandemic is over. I will happily school anybody on oysters over, you know, a dozen or five. When I got into oysters, similarly, like I got so obsessed with oysters, not to the level of obsession that you were. Well, I worked at a seafood restaurant and I was a trainer, so I had to know all this
0: crap. (laughs) That's why, you know, I'm like, I, I know how they taste and how to eat them, but we did a go shock yourself event and it was so much fun. And everyone got a shocker and was able to, I literally was just pounding oysters. People started like walking away from the table. I was like, we have all
1: these oysters. We have to keep going. Oh my God. I would have loved to have been there. I have never shucked an oyster. I will say that. I usually like them displayed for me on a bed of ice.
0: (laughs) As do I, but it was, it was quite surprising because my like intuition would say shuck from the front, the round part, but you're supposed to shuck from like the skinny part in the back. So that's the only thing I know about oysters. And I am so excited for oysters. When you are done being pregnant, Who would be a dream, you know, speaking of collaboration and connection, who would be a dream person for you to be connected with?
1: Ooh, gosh. I mean, the classic answer of any woman our age, Oprah, obviously. I think we've had that like nine out of 10 responses. A hundred Oprah. Yeah. No question. I mean, I love Glennon Doyle now though. Like Glennon is so, she just speaks for, I think so many of us. I love her and Abby Wambach so much. Like I would kill to have brunch with them or just sit on their couch, cozied up and, you know, sweats with them and their dog and all of their cool kids. So Yeah. I mean, and that's not business related at all. I think that'd be awesome. You
0: just want to be in her presence. You don't want to ask her questions. You just want to, you want to watch TV with her and maybe.
1: Because I identify with each of them in completely different ways. And I love watching their Instagram content because there are days where I'm like, I'm with Abby on this, Glennon. And I'll just write that because, you know, they're watching my comments or on Glennon's. I'm like, sorry, Abby, you're crazy on this. Like Glennon is right. So I feel like I would just be the nice middle piece on their Venn diagram. I think so, too. I think you'd be a good part of their throuple. Sounds like I think Charlie will. And they live in Florida, which is, you know, we both have Florida roots. And I just found out Abby Wambach also went to University of Florida, which I had no idea about till recently. So you probably so. pitch her to be on your podcast. I probably should. You're right. Just some homework
0: for you to do after this. So, you know, during the pandemic, we've probably watched like 9 million hours of
1: television or movies or whatnot. So is there a show that you're currently watching? We have just started watching Party Down because they're doing a remake. It's, you know, it's many, many years old now, but we've started watching Party Down. I mean, it's so funny because like the hours of content that we have logged is absurd. And I'm not a TV person. Like I'll only watch a couple hours, maybe at night. And if my husband's not around, I just don't turn on the TV. But anytime somebody's like, Oh, what shows are you loving? I'm like, I'm uh, completely blanking on this. I don't think I watch anything. And then you go back through the list, you're like, oh my God, I've watched so much television. I was gonna say, I wish like Netflix could print out at the end of the year. Like I would love a history. Show me my history. Or actually that might make a lot of people depressed. But we also did just watch every single Marvel movie in order of the timeline in which the movie took place. So not in order of release date, but like it started with Captain Marvel because that was in the nineties and then went all the way to the, the last one. So that was more enjoyable than I expected it to be, but it took like a month. Please send me that lineup. I would like to do that now. That's a good one. Uh, what book are you reading? Oh gosh, what am I currently reading? So I've been on a hyper reading kick this year. Currently listening to Barack Obama's most recent book because there's just something very soothing about his voice. I have to listen on 1.5 speed because the man talks very slow. And this book is like 26 hours long, something like that. Like it's so long. And I just found out it's only part one of a two part series. The second part's going to be released at some point. So I'm, I'm listening to that and then what am I reading at night? I listen to audiobooks in the morning on my walk and then I read Kindle, um my Kindle at night before bed. I just finished a book called Oh, Cassandra Speaks. Oh my gosh. That has been one of my favorite books that I've read so far this year. For any woman that like wants to tell her story or just is like getting into feminism or embracing your femininity and all of that. Like, it's such a great book. I actually listened to it and then bought the physical copy so that I could like go back and highlight and stuff. But I'm also reading, I think it's called The Great Cosmic Mother and it's from the eighties, but it's all about how like our societies used to be matriarchal in nature, like women were in charge of everything. We're talking about like the beginning of time. Anyway, it just, I'm in a very like witchy feminist kind of kick right now. Um, probably cause I'm like pregnant with a daughter and I'm just feeling the estrogen vibe. You have to watch the movie Moxie. If you haven't watched that on that. I it's on my list. It's on my list. I'm excited for it. Two more questions for you. What is your favorite emoji that you use or most often? emoji. I'm an old ass millennial that loves the crying laughing emoji and I love my side part. So listen, Gen Z back the F up. Okay. <laughs> Mama's coming for you and her mom jeans. Listen, well, that's, what's funny. Like when they say, oh, it makes you old. I'm like, well, if 36 is old to you, then yeah, I'm 36. Like unapologetically, I wouldn't want to be 18 again. You couldn't pay me enough money in the world. And you know, if like, by the time you're in your mid to late thirties, you know that you look significantly better with a side part and you know that like the world is a disaster. So what can you do but laugh cry? Sorry, I'm going to stick with those things.
0: So, you know, as someone who I'm doing a middle part for Bailey, I look like I might murder someone like it is very,
1: we look crazy with a middle part. It's ridiculous. I'm like, not attractive at all. It's not for me to each their own,
0: each their own. So good for you, young, young folk. You do you get off my lawn though. My last question for you is who gave you permission to do the thing that you wanted to do in your life?
1: (laughs) That's such a funny question Um, because I just picture from the office, Michael saying, who gave you the right? Who knows? No, (laughs) because who gave me permission? I feel like my mom, whether she overtly did or not, she sort of led by example. Like she always was unapologetically outspoken with what she wanted. She would stand up for herself. She like, you know, she's also about five feet. I'll give her that. She's really four, ten and three quarters. but we won't talk about that. So I think there's this there's this, you know, my grandma, who's also very little, says dynamites and diamonds come in small packages. and I think I came out of the womb sort of ready to do whatever it was that I wanted to do. And nobody really stopped me. So it was less about who gave me permission and more about who didn't keep me from doing it. Nobody's ever told me no, not no, but like nobody's ever been like, who do you think you are? You know, nobody stopped. Nobody was like, look, except for maybe a couple teachers here and there that were like, hey, Bailey, other people need to have a turn too with talking or reading or answering the question, which always pissed me off. But, you know, nobody ever stood in my way, which I'm really grateful for. So it was less of anybody being like, you can do it. And more of people being like, I'm just going to get out of your way. She's small, but she's mighty,
0: guys. Bailey Hancock at Bailey Hancock headquarters. Thank you so, so, so much for joining us today on The Sixth Degree. It was a pleasure hearing your story. And I can't wait for to see what's next in the next few months with you. There's so much exciting <laughs> stuff happening.
1: You and me both.
0: Who knows? <laughs> Seriously. And listeners, please make sure to check out um, Bailey, all of her extraordinary offerings. Catch one of her presentations. If you have the opportunity to, you will be blown away by it. And thank you so much for tuning in until next time on The Sixth Degree. Thanks again, Bailey.
1: Thank you. Bye guys.